So, <clears throat> I just got back from a teaching tour in America a couple few days ago, two or three days ago, I think. <laughs> so it was quite a, a lot of, of uh, talking and traveling, and then it was a very long trip back. So, 29 hours because the plane was delayed sitting around an airport for 13 hours waiting for the plane Mm. so uh, you know technically I got back a couple of days ago but I just started arriving in the middle of this sitting the rest of me started coming back (laughs) it's kind of like that sense you get when suddenly feel that you're actually meeting something you know, like a quality of stillness, a quality of of collectedness, a quality of real gathered presence you know, it just started to happen uh, about 20 minutes ago it was you know, quite wonderful and slightly nauseating at the same time you feel this kind of giddy feeling of all the all the energies sort of settling and shuffling down and gradually just (laughs) dropping into this kind of quality of stillness that first was really, really small and it gradually kind of sat there with it and gradually kind of started to get bigger and bigger and if you ever do that when you it's absolutely feel something we really wanting to you know make it get up I mean always feel very strong inclination on these evenings to that there be something laid out you know on the table for you to to eat <laughs> take home with you so you know start going around my kitchen and looking in the cupboards there's nothing in there that's stale there's old carrots in there and they had that last week you know, you know just <laughs> and then you know, there's actually any kind of struggling and rummaging through the drawers of the mind is just seeing this isn't dumber this isn't this isn't where it's at just have to kind of rest and let see what comes up nothing comes up that's the way it has to be just go up and apologize <laughs> sorry folks you know yeah. but sort of a, a something very glimmering started to occur on the verbal level thought mm. It's just it's remarkable how you know for the, the Buddha didn't want to teach. <laughs> he thought it's just going to be too, too, too difficult, too, too difficult to bring it across. You know, it's like a it dropped into almost like you might say another dimension. How do you explain? the fourth dimension to people who only know the three you know, how do you explain the dim- dimension of the deathless to people whose senses and 
culture and ways of operating for good, for bad, in beautiful states, in hideous states, you know, not necessarily unpleasant or malicious people, but just people doing the best they can, but very much operating in, you know, in these three dimensions, and he's suddenly dropped into a, a fourth, or opened into a fourth. How do you get it? Uh, and so he thought, isn't going to work, you know. And you see, but then, then he did find a way of, of bringing across not the deathless itself, which can't really be brought across in three-dimensional terms, in our normal language terms, and normal ways of thinking and operating, because it is, there's a hinge point. You know, if you if you can manage this hinge point, the door will open. Of course, the hinge point is, you know, a rather difficult hinge point. You know, it's the hinge point of dukkha, of suffering. Everybody gets that. It's not difficult. But um, it's we don't want to know, really. Or if we feel it, we want to fix it. You know, like just, you know, get me out of here. You know, so maybe even Buddhism is a way just to get me out of here. You know, sort of calm, happy, peaceful, all right. You know, don't take me to that door. Yeah, this was the culminating realization of of all his his realizations that occurred for him during this his enlightenment process, and uh, they're 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 all they're all holistic realizations, and this perhaps is the the bit maybe to just talk about because our minds very much focus in terms of points. Things, 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 people, times, places, good, bad, you know. Very much kind of thing and point. The mind runs out to things, it runs out and it enjoys things, it runs out and it fights with things, it runs out and it gets hurt by things and it touches things all the time. And there's this very strong current, you know, and they, all that current of running out and bouncing back, running out, bouncing back, bringing back happiness, bringing back unhappiness, bringing back thoughts, bringing out confusion, running out, bringing it back, running out, bringing it back. It's this kind of, you know, this continual oscillation wave that moves backwards and forwards, generates this sense of a self, that one end of it, you know, and a world, or vast, confusing cosmos at the other end of it. And if we could just actually get that current, that to just just to stop, we need to have this sense of a me and an it, and a me and an it, this dualistic to and fro, you know. And he's saying, actually, this is this is the to cut off, to switch off that current. Is this that's the that's the door, that's the opening into something holistic, 
one thing he did say about the unconditioned, perhaps the only affirmative, if you like, he said, not so things it's not, but he say there is a sphere, Unayatana, sphere, the un, there is the unconditioned sphere. So it gives you a sense, it's kind of, kind of it's a, you might say, it's holistic, it's got no particular point, it's not a line, it's got no particular direction to it, no particular direction to it, away from it, got no edges, no boundaries, you can't get round it, you can't see past it, you can't even see in it, because it's, it's everywhere, and yet you can't locate it, because something that's everywhere can't be located. What we can say is it's, it's holistic. Yeah. And, is all is, and this opening into something holistic is, you know, it's a very tricky, because most of us wants to feel a sense of stability that comes from holding a place holding our patch, holding our territory, holding our own, holding our opinion, holding our view, holding our objects, holding ourselves, Mm. clinging. It's so endemic that one hardly notices it until that moment when you're able to release it and you think, oh, well, that was great, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's the the bathtub feeling, you know, when you... (laughs) You finally, you know, something's able to sit in the bathtub and just go, oh, a bit like that, you know, and you get the sense, wow, why didn't I do this before? And how, you know, they realize all sorts of, if you like to use that analogy, all kinds of tissues and things that you didn't even realize were locked, started to release. And you felt kind of almost formless and, and yet um, very present and this sort of floating, lifting quality to it. It's not you're not you're not holding it. You're not pulling it up. It's just kind of it's it's you know it's like that. It's a float. It's a float. Mm. Of course all analogies will only be crude, but they maybe give one a kind of you know metaphor for because other words like release, you know release from grasping, release from this current of to and fro, this thing where the me sense is always comparing itself or with what it could be, should be, what other people are about, what its future is, what its past is, what it's going to be, what it can't be, why it can't be, how it can't be, how can I make it another way, why is this happening to me, you know, all that can just no. Yeah. Release. So, you know, if you try to look at this in three-dimensional language, then we want something that wants to get get the release, get the bit, and uh, you know, so so much of the actual Buddhist training, there is a training to be done, and it involves both. You might say affirmative and restraining means, you know, the affirmation that there is this, the sphere of the unconditioned. And the things that really try to hold back that current, that kind of grabbing, rushing out, 
drive for becoming. The, the rushing out, the flooding out, call it a flood. You know, when we gush out. And there are, you know, we might say the affirmative means are things like, you might say you start with spiritual friendship. Very important. Mm. Particularly this sense in which the individual doesn't see them, him or herself, as some isolated fragment that's got to make it all work, got to do it, got to get there, got to be something. You know, you can be in something bigger than yourself that isn't necessarily operating, doing everything you want it to do. It's not your poodle, you know. It's not subject to your will. But it looks on and it's steady and it, it, it acknowledges you, it gives you awareness. It's basically benevolent. Spiritual friendships like that, it's, it's, it's spiritual in that it's actually not even really, you know, necessarily all that personal. You know, it's, it's, it's somehow it's that something where you get the sense of values are being modelled. You are held in a quality of value, there's some respect. Whether you agree or disagree is basic. Not shutting people off, not damning people, not punishing people, not ridiculing, not kind of exiling people from one's awareness. We hold each other in awareness. And... Uh, you know, the sense of really, you know, whatever else goes on, just we don't give up. You don't give up on people. You don't shut people out. It doesn't mean you're going to kind of go rush out and get into everybody, but some sense of, you know, I was noticing on this um, on this trip when his plane got got uh, delayed. Well, several planes got delayed, and how these poor, you know, um, stewards, air stewards, and people behind ticketing office. Oh, I felt so sorry for them because we were blowing up. You know, and these poor people. I mean, they didn't create a thunderstorm. You know, this guy's trying to. Say, I'm sorry, sir, but you know, plane. Well, I got to get to someone. I'm sorry, sir, you know, but why do we have to do it? I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> it's not easy. The guy said, and the steward says, Look, uh, yes, but you see, I'm here too. I'm also delayed. You know, I don't want to be waiting here 10 hours either. <laughs> like, you know, come on. Don't just dump. As if, you know, when you, we hit this place of suffering, we can't get our way, how we just went, who's going to blame? Who's supposed to be fixing everything for me? So, so, you know, so there's compassion for these poor people behind their desks with their kind of target uniform, you know, target, hit here, my fault. (laughs) There's like 300 people queuing up, feeling very upset. Because they can't get to, or they, they had to get somewhere by two o'clock, and now they're going to miss their appointment. And 
I'm thinking, well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We're here, you know, like nobody here right now, nobody's doing you any harm, you know. Here right now, nobody's attacking us. Here right now, they, they say they're going to get us out of here. Great, you know, nobody's, I'm not chucked out in the rain, you know, I won't be beaten up or brutalized. I've got a roof, I can find a bit of floor to lie down on somewhere. Thank you very much, you know, and you're going to get me out of here. Thank you. <laughs> you know, because these people have to stand up there all night long dealing with these people blowing up at them. You know? Hey, look, we're in it together, aren't we? You know? And so, you know, so I just try to make something pleasant with these people. A little joke or something or the other what else can you do you know how shutting people out of your awareness doesn't mean you don't see them but it means you just see them as an object of your 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 desires, your wishes that's what I mean by shut they don't, you know, they're not in your awareness they're just in your desire category you know, and that's not you're not aware this person is a three dimensional entity, you just see them as a cardboard cut out called I will fix it for you. What kind of awareness is that? Yet how you see, you know, that kind of, that current of the mind, to see things just as, as an object, is always this projection, uh, which, which deprives other people of their wholeness, of their complexities, of their you know, honouring them, respecting them, saying, well, like, you too don't want to have frustration and suffering, you too want to be happy, just like me, you know. And it's a very good thing to, to obviously, little slogans that help to snap one back into, into true again. You know, you just, when you start to regard other people, you use the phrase, just like me. You know, just like me. And suddenly, oh. <laughs> and maybe spiritual friendship is, is something like that, you know. And yet it goes very deep. Just like me, there's the something in us that aspires. Just like me, there's something in us that's, um, you know, getting clearer. Trying to really wake up and see that in each other just like me there's bits of me want to go to sleep that don't want to be here but just like me there's bits of us that want to wake up and we try to see that in each other whether we see that in each other and we kind of however we want to respond with that in mind because I see you want to wake up then Maybe sometimes I'm going to challenge you, you know, not not out of enmity, but just to say, come on, you know. But I think for a lot of the time, it seems that people just mostly need some sense of blessing, you know, encouragement. Such a loss of friendship. That gives you one, one sense of something more holistic than than seeing other people as as pieces of my 
my landscape. Yeah. I mean, if we just get that, then we start to, you know, recognize it's a sort of same, in some ways the same place, and yet something opens to a different way of holding all that. And a certain sense of humility about one's own wishes and views. Still got plenty of them. And it's like, you know, when we can find simple shifts that help us to come back more into a a holistic rather than, you know, rushing ahead into things. So then perhaps we can start to come to this point where suffering, Dukkha is not, I'm suffering. I'm suffering, I'm stressed, I'm I'm really having a hard time, I'm stressed. It's just, there is suffering, it's like this. You know, that's that's a big shift. (laughs) Mm. So very close and yet it's the other end of the spectrum. Because with that, there is suffering. Is you know you, something you can is with that rather than actually that kind of locked impotence. You know, you get when I am when I am suffering, when I'm stressed, when I'm really under it. There's this kind of impotence and heldness and you know squashed and confused and locked and you know, and then it's just. Oh, there is. There's a, there's a kind of release, of, you know, of um, view, release of view, and one's not fighting anymore, blaming anymore. And that's almost as the door starts, the hinge starts to creak and open up. Then, when you know, from that place from that way of, that view. It's a holistic view rather than a self-view. So the Buddha is saying, well, you know, there are things and many things the Buddha teaches to just uh, affirm the, the qualities of kindness, compassion, appreciation, equanimity in all directions to others as to myself, to others as to myself. If it's not to others as to myself, it's not not holistic, it's not the full thing. We're just being charitable to others, or if we're just being me, 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 you know, I'm so wounded and hurt and, you know, look after my needs, kind of thing. It's not, it's not the right thing. And in terms of meditation, you know, the sense of really dropping into a, a 
kind of a stillness, it's like an, an energy that, that begins to radiate through the body. Yeah. So you the physical form almost it's like uh, pales, pales, like the sun coming out when you get strong strong um, qualities of concentration or collectedness. It's like all the bits and pieces start to sort of just melt into something large and uh, complete. Mm. And he says there's also there's things to cut off, uh, to check, to recheck the self-views. You know, the my future, my past, why I am, what I am, how I will be, how I was. You know, this, you know the kind of historical, the main first fetter. You know, which first we just start to at least acknowledge how much one's mind runs in those terms. How I will, how I was, what I should be, what I could be, what if I don't, how can I get, you know, how can I stop, what will I become, how can I get liberated. The, the kind of mind speaks in this, this language of this dimension, this the three-dimensional language, the language of the me, it, and... Um, you know, whatever the story, whatever the script, however <coughs> esoteric the jargon, it's the same place, you know. And we can, whatever we sort of dress it up in spiritual language, psychological language, Buddhist language, it's the same place. Because you know? it's always searching for meaning, searching for something to... Yeah, and blaming something. It can't do much else other than that. It can only succeed and fail. It can only do that. And it oscillates in that way. So we, you know, this rather chilling sense why I guess it is so you know, tricky to get it, you know, yeah. really to just, there is this, the unsatisfied, and that's only the first bit of course, <laughs> you know, but at least we're actually entering to, to the place where we start to acknowledge the, the way that the, the flow doesn't get fulfilled, the current doesn't get fulfilled, however much we've tried. So it's something that you've actually stepped off, you know, something you've given up, stepped out of that particular track. And, you know, and you've got the resources, you've got the sense of this companionship in that, you're not just going mad, there's a ground if you like when you start to loosen up your sense of self to something bigger that will be with you. And all these, what are called the paramita, that the Buddha, you know, in legend, is supposed to have developed over lifetimes and 
who knows, you know, but certainly it's a good it's a good way of looking at it, you know, that the things we do in our dualistic state are not insignificant. The things we do in our dualistic state like generosity, patience, renunciation, holding forth sustaining energy, just keep going, you know. Doesn't have to rush, it's not a knee jerk thing, it's a quality of sustained persistence. We're not lightweight. We've got gravity. Patience, (coughs) discernment, truthfulness. Things that go deep. Loving kindness, resolution, equanimity, just for the record. Still remember them. And they're useful, these little little bits, you know, because while we're in the dualistic state, you need, you need to, you know, once you've actually started to get into the flow, then maybe steering is needed. When you've actually entered this, got into the stream of Dhamma, steering is needed, you know, sensitive is needed, but to actually get your boat in the stream, working from the dualistic place, then it's really nice to have just some simple things, like my main job here is to be patient it's not to build this get this, make this, do this the main job here is actually just being patient because I'm going so nuts with impatience (laughs) therefore you know and it's how wonderful this thing is You know, I can feel it, I'm an impatient kind of person I think you know I am going to get through some things today. So of course everything heard that and it was just full body blocks, full body block. <laughs> Machines refusing to cooperate, computers going into the most impish kind of deadlocks, you know, just glaring at me with total <laughs> you know things of that nature. And okay. Got it. Be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Then you, you know it's useful when you're kind of volitionally wired. Recognize, you know, you perhaps this is a good slogan. Your main job here is to be patient. Your main job here is to do that. Then you kind of something you can open out from the current of time and event and getting things done. It's useful to pick these things up. You know, they're so simple linguistically generous the main place here is just to be have goodwill Mm. simple thing and yet you know you're looking at some of these places where we start to get hot and lock the current starts to really rev up in us Mm. goodwill to myself goodwill to others And that's just that kind of shifting, shifting into something a bit bigger. And how all these things really help to to um, put a put a hold on that on that dualistic me consciousness. When you get a hold of that, yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, you know, would say things you can restrain. Where people don't like to hear that. Restraint. 
do not like that word. I don't like that word. But I used to see these, because they used to have them on dogs, you know, this thing that's got a big harness of restraining the dog, kind of pulling it back. Do not like that word, restraint. Don't, more than the word I don't like, I don't really like the action either. You know, it's sort of pulling it back. But I've got to respect it over time. Renunciation. Renounce. You do not like that word. And yet, uh, you know, when you kind of unwrap it, it's uh, freedom in there. You know, somebody says, I don't, I don't need this. I can be bigger than this. I can slip out of this one. I'm not tethered. I have that choice. Um, things to endure. The Buddha said one should just train oneself to endure unpleasant feelings, painful feelings, blame, unpleasant words, just to bear with it rather than react. Things to avoid. Avoid company that takes you the wrong way. So you know, there's a lot of dualistic stuff there. Mm. To things to use skillfully, using food skillfully. You, know, you focus on the food as something to sustain the body, which it does pretty well, pretty good stuff, food. Mm-hmm. Feeling pretty hungry after about oh, long as air, airplane trip. Really feeling pretty hungry. Come along, air hoses came along. Um, you know, I, I can't have anything to eat afternoon. Can you give me a bit more breakfast? I'm really hungry. Sorry, sir. Yeah. Okay. So I was getting this kid next to me, sitting on the plane next to me, this kid. He went, you don't need eating his biscuits. I said, aren't you eating the rest of your breakfast? He says, no. I said, well, you know, he says, do you want it? I said, yeah, hand it over. (laughs) 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 So I ate his breakfast. Then he got his sisters too. They started cleaning up, and I saw these still croissants going down the, getting chucked away. And I thought, you know, I'm not proud, you know. I'm a mendicant. I don't mind eating people's leftovers. I was starving. <laughs> anyway, I made do with two breakfasts. I felt, oh, that feels really good. I feel a little more intact now. <laughs> Great stuff. I didn't care what it was, you know. As far as taste goes, food isn't really very satisfying but in terms of actually just stitching the things back together again (laughs) I really think it's great (laughs) 
So use it, using it wisely. Yeah. And you can see how many people often get in these kind of places where they eat. they're kind of eating, they don't, not really knowing what they're eating or what they're doing. Yeah. Talking, you know, stuffing things down. So, you know, real kind of honouring, I like the sense that we give the animal dinner in the monastery. You give your food and you look at it and you've got it all in the one bowl, it becomes like a meditation object. This is the this is the offering. It's right there, this is all offered. And the feeling of Anamodana, you know, you really make something out of the blessing of being nourished. Mm-hmm. Use it wisely. And then one does get this sense of appreciation. You know, mind open, I don't really mind what it is, actually. And that's a shift because when I mean, it's sometimes slightly bizarre, you know, go to a somebody's offering food and they say, "Well, I want to make sure it's hot," you know, like it's it's ten to twelve. You know, I don't care if it's hot; just give it. Turn it, you know, <laughs> hot. I want to make sure it's really on. The, I don't care what plate it's on; just give me the food. We want to make sure you don't have ice cream with it. I don't. Just give me the food. <laughs> I've got ten minutes to get it down, you know. While you're fripping around with a napkin and the right silverware, give me the food. <laughs> and you just say, patient. <laughs> you know, in some ways it's, it's sometimes so difficult for people to be simple, you know, to realise that you know, you just give me some food, I'll be, I'll, I'll be really, really grateful. I don't mind if it's cold, hot, lukewarm. I don't care if it's in a bucket, a dish, just just give me some food. I'll be grateful. That's all. <laughs> you know, how how we make a thing out of it. And it's really very simple. You know, just if you, just the sense of being given something itself is beautiful. Even that is very beautiful. Sometimes people turn up late, you know with a meal, and they just offer the food. Oh, it's thank you for the offering, you know. Thank you for just making the effort to to do something like that. That's beautiful. Don't worry about it. So, you know, you can see that these are things that people do get into very driven and, um, you know, anxious patterns and programs around. And yet, in doing things like this, we can open to something, the sense of, you know, one of the most beautiful things we can do for another human being is to just offer nourishment. You know, as human beings, we we can't live off sunlight. We can't live off rain like plants, you know. And mostly you need other humans to do that. And with a mendicant life, the beauty of it is they only do it because they want to. You can't, you can't buy it. So, you know, in that beautiful form of, of what I find very beautiful, very touching, it, it's sometimes overwhelming you know, when you really consider it. 
is a sense of the wholeness that it brings between the giver, the person who gives, and the person who receives, are united in this sense of just kind of opening into generosity and, and um, you know, being blessed and offering blessings and being appreciative. And these are quite simple things, they're not complex ideas. And yet sometimes we sort of just, our three-dimensional minds just keep skidding over them and not, not really opening into the, into, what they're, into the beauty that they are and also into the sense of wholeness, the sense of, of um, a sphere. These are trainings to get the mind to know there is this, this kind of shift. Because the shift into the unconditioned is, of course, you know, somewhat mysterious. It can't exactly be done. Because, in a way, it's the, it's the shifting out of doing. You know. Not just conscious doing, not just driven doing, but even the doingness of the mind when it's just bubbling over. You know, bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. It's the shifting out of that. Um, so this isn't something you exactly do, but as a result of the mind picking up the theme of opening instead of, you know, driving forward, rushing back, being held still, but sense of moving into opening, there's a kind of quality in which way in which the mind not, gets gets trained in that theme, gets trained in that theme, you know. And so, it's rather like, you know, in this trip I, I was, they, they took me out in a boat, a kayak, when I was in, in um, Canada, took me on a trip and they got me in a kayak. I said, you know, I said, well, I don't, I was in one 12 years ago, but I, I don't really, oh, you'll be all right. Just put this life jacket on, life jacket. Yeah, you'll be all right. But you won't, you won't go over. You'll be all right. How do you operate? Well, you just get a paddle and you do that. You'll be all right. Just go on. Nobody ever goes over these things. So you know, there, three minutes. <laughs> I was over under the water, and I was under the water. That's kind of well. Here I am underwater. It's, I don't know how long this took. It couldn't take it long. It's this moment of realizing. I actually wasn't drowning. You know. I was just getting ready to go, oh well, time to go. You know. Then, oh, I'm not drowning. And then I had this kind of, the body started to, kind of just started to operate instinctively. You know. It knew what to do. You know, the mind wasn't panicking. Because the, the mind wasn't doing anything, the mind had just kind of, fine. Because the mind wasn't doing anything, it got out of the way and the body just started to kind of, you know, quite smoothly just start to operate and etc. Before I really knew what was going on, you know. And it's a bit like that, it seems to me that, you know, we're training the mind, we're, we're kind of pruning it, we're holding it in, we're checking it in its dualistic ways, we're giving it a nudge, saying, hey, there's something bigger here. You can do it, you know, just a simple level, like look after each other, you know, nothing complex. Um, don't shut each other out, 
forgive, bless, you know, start again when there's difficulties, mm. whatever it is, you know, that we can always do that. And the mind kind of gets that particular peace. And I suppose meditation is maybe, you know, classically the piece where it starts to really become apparent if the mind has, has learnt it, you know, when the right, you know, when you're not actually not driving forward to get something or you know, struggling with things, you just open up and your mind just kind of seems to stop that particular push, strive, struggle and just become bigger, mm-hmm. you know, become witnessing, awareness, samadhi, these kind of things, you know. And it's through that, as we touch into, you know, we begin to sense that the quality of volition itself, the kind of push, do it, the very, you might say, the very charge of the current, the outflowing current, can be seen, can be held in purity. Mm. Let me shift out of that. The mind is kind of, I don't want any more of that. Mm. It just hurts. And yet, of course, it takes something to see that because I guess most of our life is our volition is, is the thing that we're operating in order to make us feel good. It's the thing we rely upon to make us feel good. It's our, it's our white horse. It rushes out and gets what I want. It rushes out and makes things work. It rushes out and gets me places. It rushes out and pushes that away, it rushes out and holds that down. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we kind of trust it. And yeah, you've got to. But you, you, because when we're operating, you know, in that, the best thing you can do is you start to just train volition, tame the horse, tame it, gentle it, tame it, make it strong, make it gentle, till you know you can get off it. You know that. You've sensed that. You sense it actually going anywhere. It's just going nowhere. Mm. Amen. Mm.